Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. I'm actually, now. You're I'm actually, I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. It ain't hating on me, Chad. You know yeah, I gotta man. do something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Minasa! You all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Yo, get out of my face with that crazy that's, stuff. That's... The number to call, 347-633-9365. Y'all got to take y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Stud. And now, your host, Chad Thursday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson uh, flying solo, as I always do on a Thursday. Emil Calamino will join me tomorrow for the Football Friday edition. But I'm here. It's Thursday, and we're going to talk sports, I think. But uh, it seems in this day and age, we're more interested in what's going on off the field than what is going on on the field. And on that note, folks, have you been paying attention at all to Miss Miko Grimes? She's at it again, folks. I might be late on this one. This happened a day ago, but it continues she is on full attack on Sage Steele, who had something to say about Tampa Bay Buccaneer Mike Evans uh, choosing to kneel uh, during the national anthem on Sunday in protest for Donald Trump being elected president of the United States. And my goodness, note to self. Now, listen, I'm a guy who uh, considers himself to be um, sharp, witty, all that good stuff. I got good comebacks, I guess. I don't think I'd ever mess with Miko Grimes. She goes places that uh, I just most people just can't go, won't go. I mean, she has no filter. And, you know, when you say, like, get down into the gutter with someone, she goes deep down into the gutter. I, you just can't go down there with her. Few people can. And she knows that. She will say anything. And uh, I, it's to the it's like this. I'm bringing this up on the show, but I can't even, I can't even read the tweets. You got to go, uh, you know, I, I'm not here to promote someone's, well, I do from time to time, promote someone's Twitter account, man, just go follow that. If you're into being entertained, you will trust me, be entertained by uh, Miko Grimes tweets. So uh, I'm not going to do it any justice by trying to read them on here. You're going to need to go do that yourself. But right now uh, there is a, Steel cage match, pardon the pun, between Sage Steele and Miko Grimes going on. I don't even know if there's if there's a match involved. I'm not even sure that that's what's going on here. It's just completely and totally one sided uh, because I don't Sage Steele can't go there. She really just can't go there with Miko Grimes. I I'm willing to bet this is the last time Sage Steele goes this route. She really had better just stick to the sports action. And even then, when you talk about sports action, uh, you are subject to being uh, reached out to uh, by Miko Grimes. So I guess what should be done here for Sage Steele is stay away from any and everything having anything to do with Miko Grimes. Don't talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For sure, don't talk about Brent Grimes. Um, and just try to stay clear of this woman. She can't respond publicly to these things. She can't even come close to going on that level. It's just completely and totally out of control. Uh, a lot of beefs this week. I don't know what it is, you know, 
and here's the scary thing for me. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the part that um, was scary for me as I was going through Miko Grimes' tweets. And one of these tweets as she was going on a rant, she pretty much said to people who had a problem, you know, with the way that she was speaking. And obviously when you tweet the way that she does, you have people that will come at you and try to admonish her for the way that she's speaking, the language that she uses, her vulgarity, and all those good things, to which she promptly will tell you she absolutely does not care what you think. Okay, so in one of those, she did manage to say, um, to hell with y'all, and that's not exactly the words that she used. She doesn't even talk like that, but you guys could, you know, picture uh, the real words. She says, to hell with y'all that have a problem with my language. You guys just elected an internet troll as president. Get that F out of here. And you know, the reason why that's troublesome to me is I've noticed in our society today, in this day and age, we will go out of our way to find the negatives, to find people who have done things wrong to excuse our own bad behavior. Rather than being contrite when called out on it, rather than apologizing, rather than changing the behavior, we will, because now we have all the research in the world at our fingertips, we can go Google anything, we will go find someone who has behaved poorly and use it as an excuse to act up. And uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is we all heard the comments by Donald Trump. We all watched the ways in which Donald Trump conducted himself during the election. And he just happened to be the one who won the election. And now I've got to be concerned, and everyone out there should also be concerned, with the fact that people are going to use the leader of our country as uh, an excuse to act the way that they want to act. If you think about all the things that Donald Trump said and the things that they brought up in this election about him, um, you, you've got to be a little bit concerned. It's just going to be a free pass for almost everyone to act up because that's what we do in this day and age. We will not take personal responsibility for the way that we're acting. We will undoubtedly excuse all of our low, you know, low life behavior with someone else. And then when you have the president of the United States acting in that fashion or having acted in that fashion, it becomes easy. You don't even have to go do research. It's readily available for you. You've heard it all. It's right there. Now, I'm someone who happens to have liked Bill Clinton and the Bill Clinton years and the presidency. I enjoyed it. Some good things happened there. But in hindsight, I do look at it as uh, he, lulled, he, he lowered the moral bar for this country. His conduct, the things that he did while he was president here, gave people a free pass. Do I think people should act in this way? Do I think people should go around um, trying to find other people who have behaved poorly and use it as an excuse? And is that acceptable to do? No, I don't think so. But the truth of the matter is that that's what we do. And when Bill Clinton acted in the immoral ways in which he did while president of the United States, and it got out publicly, and then he lied about it, it gave a lot of people an uh, excuse. And that may have been a turning point morally for us in this country. That may require some research from us. Perhaps we do need to look at how things, did things change from the, the uh, Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky days? Did we fall off a steep cliff at that point morally in this country? I'm willing to say we probably did probably catapulted us in a direction where morally uh, more and more people gave less of a damn about the way that they acted towards uh, others. And if that is the case, what's going to happen now with the election of Donald Trump? Now, I'm on record uh, on Facebook of saying, yeah, I think we should support our president. He's been elected Having him fail is, you know, I've heard it adequately described as having him fail is wanting the pilot of the plane you're flying in to fail because you don't like him or you don't like what he stands for. 
if he fails, we crash, all of us uh, are due to get hurt. But that aside, where are we going now morally in this country? How are we going to treat each other when a person who's acted in the fashion that Donald Trump has and has been elected as president of the most powerful country on earth? When we can use that as an excuse, when we can use him as an excuse, where are we going? I think years from now, we're going to have to take a look back, and I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to see uh, just a, another lowering of the bar here for us in this country, in this society. Just thought I'd throw that out there today. As you go searching around for the Miko Grimes tweets, but uh, we've had a, a lot of beefs going on. We had Chris Collinsworth going after Bill Simmons. I'm sure you've seen that. I retweeted it on the Gridiron Stud Show Twitter account, at GIS Show BG, if you haven't been following us yet. But it's there. We've got Kate Upton and Miko Grimes beef. Miko Grimes and Sage Steele beef. Chris Collinsworth on Bill Simmons. What's next? So much theater. This social media thing, it's great, isn't it? How do Kate Upton and Miko Grimes cross paths? It's amazing. But nevertheless, uh, that's not why we're here today, folks. We're here to talk a big three in college football. We're talking Florida Gators, Miami Hurricanes, and Florida State Seminoles. Game's coming up for all this week. The Gators have a big one. It's the rematch, or not the rematch, but the remake of uh, the earlier game that was supposed to happen during Hurricane Matthew. You remember all that happened there. Florida wanted to have the game at noon like it was supposed to be. LSU didn't want that because it was a hurricane. Then Florida canceled it. And uh, LSU said, how could you do that? And Florida is like, well, there's a hurricane. And then LSU is like, we don't care about a hurricane. Then Florida's like, didn't you care about the hurricane? You didn't want to play at 12. Well, we'd play on Sunday. Well, we can't do that, Florida said. A hurricane's a hurricane. Hurricanes don't just come and go. They leave an aftermath. And then there was a ton of back and forth about when and where this game should be played. Ultimately, LSU wins for this season. They got a game that was supposed to be at Florida Field brought to Baton Rouge. And that's where this game will be played Saturday. Some things have been said in the media by some LSU players. Obviously, the fans talk. Something along the lines of uh, Florida can't run now. We know they're scared to come up here. Things of that nature have been said. We'll talk about it more when uh, Nick Delatore joins me here on the next segment on the show. Canes are taking on NC State. Before the season started, you would have said this is just a game on the schedule, one they could, you know, just another game, game they should go ahead and win easily. When you look at the records, perhaps, but NC State's a tough out. And if the Canes don't go in there with the proper focus, going to be a problem for them. They could have some issues, football game. So we'll discuss that coming up later on the show. And then Florida State, they're 21-point favorites on the road versus a not very good Syracuse team. Syracuse 4-6 and six on the season. They've been a little Jekyll and Hyde-ish. They've beaten Virginia Tech, but they've been blown out by 54 points to Clemson. They gave up 50 points to Notre Dame. They'll go to Boston College and win and then get blown out by NC State. So God in heaven knows what you're getting from Syracuse. They are at home. And again, what's Florida State playing for? So uh, we'll see if the Seminoles can stay focused in this contest. But nevertheless, Gators Talk coming up next. I'm going to take a break. Nick Delatore joins me when we return on the Gridiron Stud Show. Stay with us. Want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills, and in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. 
Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Are you a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management? Then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process, for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning? Dealing with deposit negotiation and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance. No one's got time for that. MVP does, though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP Property Management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MYMVPCC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. We're back on the Gridiron Stud Show, Thursday edition, talking big three. Gators, Canes, Knowles here on the Gridiron Stud Show as we do every Thursday. Florida Gators are heading out to Baton Rouge. That's not where this schedule, when the season started, said they would be playing this game. But nevertheless, that happens to be where the game's going to go down at uh, 1 o'clock Eastern time. Noon local time. And joining me right now on the Gridiron Stud Show to talk about this game and other things is Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com. Nick, how you doing? Uh, good, good. Ready to go down to uh, New Orleans tonight and spend a couple nights on Bourbon Street before uh, heading to Baton Rouge. Going to get yourself liquored up for this one? Is that what it takes? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I'm a, I'm a nice young man just looking for some uh, Cajun food. That's all we're looking for. In sure, New Orleans. there you go. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, there's uh, all kinds of things swirling around this football game. There's been a, mm-hmm. little, been a little media talk by some of their guys suggesting that the Gators are scared. I don't know if you've addressed that at all with any of the players this week, but um, what do you say about that, and what's the sense you get from this, from this Florida Gators team heading out to uh, LSU to try and shut some traps? Well, I think the new narrative is that Florida's afraid to play Presbyterian since they canceled that game. Um, there you go. Jalen Tabor asked Jalen Tabor about it. And he said, "We're going to them. We're going. We were supposed to play here. We're going to their neighborhood to play them. I don't see how we're scared to do anything." Um, it was Arden Key of LSU that said Florida's got a bunch of injuries, so I guess they're scared to come down here and play. Florida's got injuries, but. To me, saying football players are afraid to play football doesn't make any sense. Uh, At the end of the day, it was the SEC commissioner who made the decision to cancel the game. That was probably because Florida was a little stubborn, didn't want to move it, would have had to make that decision on Monday or Tuesday um, of that week and waited until Wednesday, Thursday. Um, But once the SEC commissioner chose to cancel the game, proposed to the game, he didn't have the power to make the teams play. And Joe Oliva stuck his heels in the dirt and said, We're, if, if you guys want to play this game, here are our terms. And uh, uh, that's kind of, you know, it's, it's like what I said to you before when we were talking about that week. 
Mm-hmm. LSU is not going to go to the SEC championship game, so their schedule is going to take care of that for them. Florida sure. still has a chance. Florida yeah, and that's where we are right now. You don't now. play this uh, game. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. LSU's out. Alabama's already clinched it, and Florida wins this week, and they're in. I said it back when they were supposed to play the first time. LSU's schedule is going to take care of that. They're not worried about going to the SEC championship game. It doesn't matter if they play a full conference slate because the punishment is you can't go. Well, we're not going anyway. So let's talk about it, uh, LSU's part on this. LSU had the big showdown with Alabama, uh, ended up taking a loss, played tough, didn't get to the end zone, but played well defensively, held Alabama like no one else has uh, this season, and uh, ended up losing that game. Then they went to Arkansas and won a big game. Then they've got this game against Florida, and then on Thursday they got to go to Texas A&M. Could Florida catch an LSU team um, not 100% into this mentally? Is that, is that possible? Yeah, I think it is possible. I think you, you start looking, you know, Leonard Fournette this week is answering or being asked questions, didn't really give an answer, but being asked questions about leaving school early. And LSU has a lot of those kind of guys, um, as does Florida. Um, but I think LSU right now is, is maybe playing for pride, but there are a lot of those guys that are thinking, ooh, I see some of these guys getting hurt. Um, I know there was one player in Oklahoma who just told Coach Troops, like, hey, I'm out. I'm not going to finish the rest of the season. I'm going to go get ready for the NFL. He's had some concussion issues. Um, but mm-hmm. I think it is, yeah. You could. Two games left and then a bowl game. I think you could start seeing some of these guys maybe overlook uh, for it a little bit. Uh, that's tough to say because of the rivalry, because of everything that's happened to lead up to this Saturday. Um, but, sure. but I think you, you could if you're looking at it from the standpoint of maybe some of those juniors are starting to uh, you know, look towards the next step in their career. Well, with that being said, were you surprised at all when LSU came out as a 14-point favorite? They're now currently 13-and-a-half-point favorite. But two touchdown favorites, uh, were you surprised by that? Yeah, I thought that was a little, a little big from, uh, for my taste. I, I, and I kind of reasoned, with it, reasoned it, it with this, is that I feel like Florida and LSU, at least recently, it might be different with, with Ed Orgeron than it was you know, with Les Miles calling plays, but um, – I feel like they play cautious. It's almost like they they come out and they wait for the other person to make the first mistake. And the play calling is tight and it's a field position game and you've got punts going back and forth. But in saying that, LSU has two guys who in that game plan of playing it tight and of running the ball and just trying to matriculate the ball down the field has two running backs who can accidentally run for a 75-yard touchdown. Sure. Which completely changes the complexion of the game. And not to say that Florida can't, we haven't seen Florida have those big explosive plays in the running game um, where I think, I think Florida will call this game tight. Um, and, and we haven't seen them have those, those kind of game breaking game opening game, you know, that play that kind of shifts momentum one way or the other. So uh, I, I, maybe that's, that's why, but I think 14 points is too close. I think this is definitely uh, a close game, close, low scoring game. Yeah. Uh, there's listen, uh, Florida has two losses on the season, and it's clear to me that the more damaging loss was is the one to Arkansas. It knocked them completely from 10 out of the uh, top 25, and then they're hesitant to let them in. With all the losing that went on last week, Florida can only find themselves at number 23 here. And then on top of that, they start getting hit with numbers like this. You're, you're a 14, you're two touchdown underdog to an LSU team that, let's face it, in big games has struggled offensively. I mean, they struggle to score points mm-hmm. in big games, but here they are as 14-point favorites. You're basically saying that Florida's going to get shut out in this game. Yeah, the, there's not a lot of love or belief in, in Vegas or among the media in Florida's offense. I think the offense, if, it, it, doesn't hurt, it doesn't help last week that you probably should have beat South Carolina – put up 28, 35 points, you get into the inside the 40 and you turn the ball over twice, you get inside the 10 and you fumble a snap. And that's something all snaps has done twice now. So if Florida had not turned that ball over, turned the ball over and scored two more touchdowns and won 28 to 10 uh, or, you know, 38 to 10, maybe they get a little more love in, in the polls. But right now there's no belief that Florida can score enough to keep up with a team like LSU or like Alabama. They look at Florida and say, Florida's built to win 17-14, 14-10. If somebody scores three touchdowns, that game's probably over. 
Yeah, but I have not to think, a new narrative. You know, the way things went last week is promising. Um, they moved the ball up and down, especially in the first half, and you just had a couple of mishaps. I mean, a fumbled snap and a quarterback yeah. center exchange. Um, that's I, I feel pretty good that they probably would have scored a touchdown there. You had a punt return called back. I mean, that game last week could have been a 35-40-something to seven mm-hmm. or nothing um, easily. And then, you know, I'm sure the numbers would have changed there. But so, you know, when you're, when you're looking at it as a fan, a better or an odds maker, you know, maybe you're playing off of that final score. But when you look inside Florida, that offense is probably as good as it's looked since the first half against Tennessee. And so if Florida can come out and call plays, because a lot of it was play calling, and uh, move the ball or use that creativity like they did uh, in the game last week, they got a puncher's chance against LSU. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I think I think Florida has a puncher's chance against LSU. I, I'm not even sure who I'm going to pick to win the game, um, and I've got to get that done today. Uh, I just – I kind of fell into it against Arkansas. And, you know, I came on and said, I don't know how Arkansas scores. I think Florida's able to run the ball. And then I watched that. Um, right. And, and against Tennessee, I came on and I was like, I don't know how Tennessee scores. And, and and then they score, you know, all those points unanswered. So, for some reason, I have this belief in Florida. And I think it's just because of how good the defense is. And, and I think if you don't turn the ball over, that Florida's going to have a puncher's chance against anyone not coached by Nick Saban. Yeah, well, even that, we'll have to see where that goes. But uh, nevertheless, let's talk injuries because that's been a big deal for the Florida Gators this mm. season. They've just been going down pretty hard. The last two games have been tough. Uh, you lost Jared Davis against Arkansas, and then last week you lose Marcus May for the season. What, give, give us an update on the injury situation for Florida as they head into this big game. Um, the good news Wednesday was that CC Jefferson who missed last week with a foot injury, um, should be able to play, um, as well as Tyler Jordan, who was the center who played one play and came out. Um, interesting is how they're going to handle that offensive line situation. I'll get to that in a second, but then uh, David Sharp left tackle practice Wednesday did a little bit, but still not sure about him, but you look at. Just the starters that are out, Cam Dillard, uh, Alex Anzalone, Jared Davis, uh, Luke Del Rio, Marcus May, um, and you can add in, you know, C.J. Wharton as a guy that's out as well. Mark Herndon, Justice Reed are out. Brian Cox Jr. is out. Uh, it's it's a, a lot of people that are out. But on the offensive line, I think it's interesting, depending on Sharp, I think Florida and I, I really liked, I think Florida really liked what Martez Ivey did at left tackle um, last week. T.J. McCoy, um, I think Pro Football Focus had him grayed out as a, as a 76 in, in what was basically his first start for Florida ever. Um, didn't start the game, but played every snap except for one on offense. Um, and, and then Kavar Sarkis is fine at left guard. So it might be a situation where you tell David Sharp to, hey, hang out on the sidelines for a little bit and let's see if we put Tyler Jordan at right guard, leave McCoy at center. Harkless at left guard and, and Ivy at left tackle. How does that, that combination do? Because it looked good last week. Is there a chance, Nick, that uh, perhaps Florida just had the wrong guys starting and playing in certain positions uh, when this season began? Is that a possibility? It, it, it is, and and uh, you know that's the uh, the message board has been trying to to change uh, change the, the starting five offensive lines since uh, spring camp, I think. Um, right. But it, it's it's very possible, and coaches, you know, you look at coaches might have. Uh, favoritism coaches might have known a guy for longer maybe a guy practices well practices better and that's what happens but they looked good they looked good last week um so I think you I think you almost be remiss to not see if they can continue that with a a week of taking all the snaps together this is a group that the group that played last week that two of them were playing third string and so they're familiar with each other but they're not familiar with anybody else Sure. Uh, so I think that's something that, that if, if you're talking about offensive line, that familiarity, that comfortability of playing with somebody and, and hearing, especially at center, you have somebody now making the mic call and, and making all these calls um, for the offense, and he's a redshirt freshman. So I think give them a chance with a week under their belt and a week of practice under their belt, and, and why not? Yeah, if you're a Florida fan also, you're very encouraged by the way the young linebackers came in and played last week. Uh, albeit it's against South Carolina. You also got to like the way 
that Marcel Harris stepped in when Marcus May went down, got himself an interception, was a presence a lot. You know, you never had to wonder about Marcel Harris hitting someone. So he uh, definitely did that and made himself, uh, made his presence felt back there. So you're encouraged by that. Before I let you go, the, it was a big, you know, recruiting weekend last week, last home game for the Gators, had a number of guys in there. Um, what are a couple of things we could take away uh, from that recruiting weekend that um, Gator fans might need to know? Um, I think getting Alex Leatherwood on campus was, was big. Um, he's a, you know, all-star, five-star, 13-star offensive tackle from Pensacola. Um, Florida needs to continue getting better uh, on the offensive line. I think that was a big thing. Another thing is the, the, so the, you, everyone sees the pictures of the stadium not being filled in at kickoff. The stadium did fill in. Uh, it, it was a good environment. But also having a noon game allows the coaching staff, because they don't see recruits before the game, Mm-hmm. it allows them to have more face time, more one-on-one time with recruits after the game. So that's kind of like a, a silver lining of having an early kickoff. Would you like to see, you know, have the recruits see a, a, seven, a 7.30 kick and fireworks in the stands and, and everyone's, you know, uh, liquored up in the stands and loud? And, yeah, you'd like <laughs> to see that. But I think getting, getting some one-on-one face time might be more important for Florida right now. Um, and then I, I think also – Looking at the offensive, looking at the offensive recruits, Leatherwood in particular, you're seeing a lot of young guys play, mm-hmm. and, and to me, that's saying, okay, when this coaching staff is telling me, hey, you can play early, and they're not going to tell everyone that. You tell Alex Leatherwood that because he will play early. Mm-hmm. But it gives it gives a, it gives some weight to what the coaching staff is saying. Sure. They're not lying to me just to get me here. Look, they're playing a redshirt freshman, a redshirt freshman. He's a true freshman. You've got two freshman linebackers. They're not afraid to play young players. So I think that gives some weight and some meaning to the recruiting pitch that a lot of these kids are hearing. I think that's another thing that not just last week, but that Jim McElwain and and this coaching staff have shown the past two years is we're not afraid to play young players. Yeah. um, And again, just to echo what you're saying, going to definitely need to get young guys and help up front. Um, That will undoubtedly change a lot of what you see offensively. Well, Nick, as always, we thank you for joining us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. I'm going to be in Baton Rouge for that bright and early game. You know, that's the only downside of losing to Arkansas. Like, I'm sure all these, you know, potential night games turned into noon starts. Yeah, last week would have been a, would have been a late start. But they actually, Florida negotiated to not have this be later than a 2.30 central time kickoff. Um, kind of like a hey, we're bending over backwards here. At least don't make us play at night in Death Valley. And yeah. they signed off on that. So this would have been, you know, at worst, that C- that CBS spot. Right, right. Well, you know, we'll see how all this works out. And, again, Nick, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll see what the Gators are able to do in Baton Rouge on Saturday. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks, Chad. All right. That's Nick Dillatore from GatorCountry.com for all things Gators. Go check out GatorCountry.com. You can follow the uh, basketball coverage as college basketball season has started, and they always uh, have great and interesting stories and updates on Gator football. I'm going to take a quick break. When I get back, Brian DeBeast London joins me to talk Canes football here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Stay with us. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoff. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. 
That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! WrestleMania 3 at the Silver Dome in Pontiac, Michigan. It's a day that I'm certain my guest at this time will not forget. I'm talking about the former Intercontinental Champion of the World, Macho Man nothing Randy. Means nothing. 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 nothing means nothing. Man. Nothing means nothing. What do you mean by that? Oh, I'm talking about all the way to the top, yeah. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. But the cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. Yeah. We're back here on the Good Iron Stud Show. Hey, it's that time of year, folks. It's time to get your free health care insurance for you and your loved ones. Primary care insurance is now enrolling individuals into their Obamacare insurance plan. So call today, 954-278-8696. That's correct. Free health insurance Obamacare is now available from November 1st to January 31st. But it's urgent that you call today, 954-278-8696. Tell them you heard it on the Gridiron Stud Show. Open enrollment only comes once a year. This means that the government is willing to pay for your health insurance needs. Don't miss out on your opportunity. The time to get free health insurance for you and your family is now. So please call 954-278-8696. You can also visit their webpage. It's OptimumNationalInsurance.com. Again, OptimumNationalInsurance.com. Go take care of that right now. All right. Well, it's that time. We just finished talking Gators football here on the Gridiron Stud Show. We need to get back down here locally to the uh, local team, the University of Miami, as they get set to take on NC State. And again, as I said in the opener uh, on paper, just looking at this thing before the season started, not a game that you would have, uh, I don't know, put a lot of focus on, but this is a dangerous NC State team. And talking uh, with me about Canes football right now is Brian Abyss London. Beast man, thanks for joining me on the Gridiron Stud Show. What's up, Chad? How are you, man? Oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm all fired up for this game. I, I this is a dangerous NC State team, and you know people will look at me and be like, okay, he's trying to hype this whole thing up. This NC State team is five and five, but when I look at their four game losing streak, it was back to back games to Clemson and Louisville, then you know a game against Boston College, which is physical, and then you play Florida State. I mean, who can blame you for losing those four in a row? They did come back and get a serious win last week. How, how, uh, how much should Canes fans worry about this game, or should, is this going to be a runaway for the Hurricanes? No, I wouldn't say that. Listen, NC State is, you know, almost like Miami, right in the middle of the pack. Uh, good but not great ACC team, a team that uh, obviously needs wins and is playing at home, and the University of Miami is playing their uh, another, another road game. So, and and Miami's got a couple injuries in the offensive line that could be a problem. We saw the offense not as consistent as we would like last week, and uh, we'll see what happens this week. But, no, you don't take NC State – you don't take any team in the ACC for granted, one. And, two, uh, you definitely don't take a team for granted when you're playing on the road. Both teams need wins. They're going to be hungry. You're going to be hungry. No, you, this, 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 I, I mean, I would like to think it's going to be a runaway for Miami, but I don't see it that way. You know, is there a big difference, all right, and this might sound like a strange question, but let's say we slip up against NC State and then we close out with a win against Duke. Is there a huge difference between 8-4 and four and 7-5 and five for the Miami Hurricanes? Yeah, uh, you know what it is? It's all about perception. That, that may not be a huge difference in, in actual, uh, you know, how good the team is, but eight, eight wins is, is, is respectable, I think, at least for a first year of Mark Richt with this program, again, coaching mostly Al Golden's players. Uh, eight wins, if you ask me before – if you ask most Canes fans before the year, unless you were out to lunch, hey, this team wins eight wins and goes to the Tax Slayer Bowl and plays the Gators. Is that a good season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty good season. It's decent. It's good enough. Uh, would we have liked 10? Of course. But, uh, you know, listen, eight wins sounds so much better than 
seven wins sounds like you just eked through. You just mm-hmm. you just somehow got there. What's the general sense that you get from the fan base? Uh, we know uh, no one has ever accused the University of Miami fan base of being reasonable. But given where we are right now, do you get a sense that the fans are okay with the way the season has gone, or are they up in arms um, about, you know, the four losses and, and, and they're, they're concerned here? That's an interesting one. I think the fans are split based on the uh, size of the football. I think the fans are really happy with the defense and Manny Diaz and all the defensive coaches, especially Coach Cool, uh, for the coach of that defensive line. UM is number one in the country, I think, in tackles for loss. Certainly a 180 from what we were seeing uh, with the previous uh, coaching staff and that defense, which I still don't know what that was. But uh, So fans, I think, are happy with the defense. Now, with the offense, it goes up and down depending on the week. Uh, I think the, the fans are looking for this offense to – find consistency both in the passing game and the running game. Uh, they ran the ball well uh, last week with Mark Walton and Gus Edwards. Uh, they didn't pass the ball. Brad Kaya again looked a little shaky. Uh, you know, I, I think we're going to find out when the season's over what that injury is and, and that he'll need it, it, need it fixed or uh, rehabbed, what have you. Uh, but I think UM fans are, are one, uh, questioning a little bit Mark Rake's play calling, uh, and two, just the consistency on offense, and it's hard when you're getting guys hurt, especially your center in Nick Linder, and now you have Alex Gall in there, and you have Tyler Gauthier playing because Darling's hurt as well. So uh, you need you need consistency to get better. They haven't had that. Hey, staying on the play calling, uh, the head coach, Mark Richt, called the plays this year. Uh, what's your sense there? Do you get the, do you feel like he's going to continue to do that going forward? Or is this something he's looking to turn over to someone else and, and just focus more on, on uh, being an overseer of the program? Yeah, that's a good question, Chad. Uh, you know, he was giddy like a schoolgirl to get back to calling plays. Uh, he hadn't really done it since maybe his early time at Georgia, definitely when he was at Florida state as the OC, um, and he wanted to get back to calling plays. That's what he was one of the things that he mentioned in his introductory press conference. Was mm. he rusty at it? Uh, yes. Was mm. he uh, was 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 uh, trying to learn the vernacular and the uh, syntax of the system that Miami was going to use? Uh, probably a rougher deal than he thought. Yes. Now, is he going to give that up? That's a good question. I, I don't think he's going to give it up, not quite yet, uh, but I think he's going to try to – I think when it's all is said and done and they go back during the offseason and do self-scouting, I think one of the things that Mark Rick is going to concentrate on is his uh, kind of consistency in play calling and what he wants to do in different situations, first down, second down, third down, uh, and, and stuff like that, uh, because – it's been up and down for Mark Rick as, as a play caller, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then would you say that's been the biggest issue with Brad Kaya, or is there something else working against him here? Well, I think the biggest issue with Brad Kaya is we've all pretty much known that he's hurt in some way. He's not right. Um, mm-hmm. Since the Florida State game when he was uh, manhandled on the first play of the game and then when he lost to Moeller. Uh, they kept hinting at a shoulder. I, I don't know exactly what the injury is, but I would say Brad Kai is not 100%. You take that with learning a new offense and Mark Ritt, uh again, trying to get up to speed on play calling, all of those three things together equals inconsistency on offense. And you, it has shown. It has shown in a lot of games this year for the Miami Hurricanes. For the great part of season um and you know these things are not you know uh foolproof but when you look at some of the draft boards or the you know some of the mock drafts brad kai is in there as a first round pick Uh, i don't know if that's still the sentiment of nfl executives and personnel managers across the league but the truth of the matter is he's he's considered up there so do we expect brad kai to come back for another year or what or or, or is he going to leave after this year you know, that's a good question. Um, I think I think we all think – I think the consensus is that he, he could use another year. 
But mm-hmm. again, things things have changed with what rookies are getting paid in the NFL. Uh, things are you're trying to work for that second contract, mm-hmm. um, and the quarterback class, you know, is kind of weak. There's Kaiser, there's Watson, um, and, and those are two definitely different quarterbacks than Brad Kaya. Brad Kaya is not the mobile quarterback. He's mm-hmm. more of a traditional uh, drop back pro passer. So uh, looking at the depth at quarterback, he may say, well, I might have a better chance of leaving this year, even though I didn't have my greatest year, just because there's not that many great quarterbacks coming out. And if he were to leave this year, then what's, what's, what's the situation at quarterback for the Canes in 2017? It's a good question. Uh, I'm guessing you'll, you know, that Malik Rogier gets gets an opportunity uh, to 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 battle with, uh, you know, Vinny's son and Jack Allison, and then they got, uh, you know, some recruits coming in. Um, but certainly, there's no one with a ton of experience back there, um, and that, you know, you, you, that's such a tough spot to be in, man. Uh, you, you you don't want to you don't want to because next year I think this defense is going to be really good really really yeah. good uh, the the offense is is I think going to have some more playmakers we're going to see Amon Richards uh, have another step forward uh, Cager is going to be back uh, so I'm not sure you want to go into that kind of a year when you could have a really good year with a quarterback with no experience so. Maybe there's a way that Mark Richt and the staff can convince Brad to come back and, you know, really work in the offseason and get consistent and have more of a well-rounded and complete and consistent offense next season. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's uh, the hope of many. You know, you always want your, your good players to come back. It's just not always uh, the best idea for them. But I, I know for Canes fans, especially where Brad Kaya is concerned, um, that they, you know, can convince him to come back and keep all this together and have a strong second year under Mark Richt. If we could real quick uh, finally talk about bowl game. Um, you personally, uh, I, don't, I can't ask you to speak for fans here, but what would be a win for the Canes in terms of uh, what bowl game they go to? I think a win would be any bowl game in the state of Florida they could drive to, Jacksonville or Orlando. Uh, would be great spots for the University of Miami. I've seen some projections that they could end up there. Um, there's a chance they end up in New York. So you're York. saying you don't want to go to uh, Birmingham or somewhere in Tennessee? No, that yeah, yeah. I'd like to stay out of Birmingham or uh, Tennessee. Uh, Carolina wouldn't be bad, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. They always try to get a Carolina team for those for those games. Uh, the one that's the interesting one is the Pinstripe Bowls, New York. Uh, and there's a lot of Canes alums up in the Northeast that would love that. On the other hand, there's a lot of Canes fans down in South Florida that don't really feel like going to New York in December. Yeah, uh, I've seen that game with snow flurries. Not our thing. Definitely not our thing. No. So, yeah, no. I don't want to find ourselves there in the pinstripe bowl. All right, well, very interesting game this weekend against NC State. Uh, which NC State team shows up? You know, they're a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde. Hopefully for the Canes, it's the one that's not uh, upset-minded and the Canes could push forward uh, hard to that 8-4 and four record we talked about. So I uh, appreciate you coming on, Beast, and making time for us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Oh, you know I got you anytime, Chad. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. I look forward to talking to you next week. All right. That's Brian and Beast London joining us here on the uh, Gridiron Stud Show. Uh was on his show last night, All Canes Radio. We had a good time talking with uh, him and the guys about the uh, Canes football, amongst other things. I think things are bright. Uh, you know, I did talk about it yesterday on the show, um, and I did also bring up, you know, what the situation is for University of Miami football. And they're just some harsh realities that fans need to face. Maybe they're running away from it, or uh, they don't want to face the music. But there's some truths here, and if you happen to miss it, I can't go into the whole monologue here but listen to yesterday's show uh just to kind of get an idea of why things are where they are uh with the university of miami football what's the difference between now and those dynasty days um and and uh, you know i think it's interesting it's certainly something that uh, is cause for discussion but uh go back and listen to wednesday's show uh and i talked a little bit about it on on all canes radio last night I'm going to take a break when I get back. The final segment, we'll talk Florida State football here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
right after this. putting their t-shirts away, whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your seven-on-seven team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself, and they'll look great. That's right. With heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. It's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-ShirtSupplies.com. Go there now. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now, set your profile up, and let yourself be seen. But I'm piped up. See that boy right up. He piped up. See that girl right up. She piped up. Pipe it 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 up. I walk in the club just to pipe it up. I stand on the stage and I pipe it up. Get a regular till I pipe it up. Buy a bando and I pipe it up. Pipe it up. Pipe it up here on the Gridiron Stud Show, Thursday edition. Just a programming note. Football Friday coming at you tomorrow, 10 a.m. Emil Calamino and I are going to talk college and NFL football, give you our previews and predictions. Also, don't forget the fantasy football focus from FanDuel. We had a pretty hotly contested uh, FanDuel uh, fantasy football focus game last week between Emil and I. Did edge them out 49 to 47. Basically, to break it down for you, uh, both of us pick a quarterback, a running back, and a wide receiver. We do give ourselves a salary cap of $21,000. We use the, uh, the salaries um, from FanDuel.com. And again, if you are uh, looking to get into the daily fantasy, uh, head over to FanDuel.com and right now. Open yourself up an account. They're welcoming new players. They have a, an area for new players. So you don't have to go up against the professionals right now. All types of different contests there. So um, you don't have to be intimidated by those who are, quote, unquote, uh, professionals or, you know, highly experienced. You could jump in there with other folks who are not uh, quite as experienced but uh, happen to know something about football. Turn your knowledge of football, basketball, sports in general into a little bit of cash for you. You can put a dollar in a game and win thousands. Uh, go on, check it out right now. Go to FanDuel.com. Use the promo code GridironStuds and uh, get yourself a nice little bonus to get started. But, uh, yeah, Emil, I've been doing uh, pretty well in that fantasy football focus, so we'll be doing that tomorrow. And also going to talk some high school football. Football playoffs are here with us. A couple of games tonight, so uh, we'll review what happens tonight and also talk about the games that are coming up 
on Friday. Going to have uh, Joshua Wilson with me from FloridaHSFootball.com to talk about that. So, as always, another jam-packed Football Friday show coming at you tomorrow at 10 a.m., so don't miss out on that. All right, the Florida State Seminoles are uh, on the field this weekend. I'm not excited about it. I don't fans are excited about it. What's important here is that the Seminoles themselves need to be excited about it. And I've been talking about this for several weeks, ever since Florida State took their loss a couple weeks ago versus Clemson, you know, essentially putting them out of the ACC championship game, uh, something that they've played in for the last few years. Uh, It's going to be tough for them each and every week to get themselves up for these games. No problem last week, though. Played a game on Friday night. I'm sure not something they wanted to do because, you know, you want to have some recruits in. So it was a home game for the Seminoles. Ended up having to play it on a Friday night. Can't get recruits there. Most of them are playing uh, high school football games. But nevertheless, um, no letdown there for them. 45-7, they beat the hell out of Boston College. Notice maybe uh, maybe to look at this a different way for Florida State. After losing to Clemson, hey, no more reason to be tense. Now we can just go out and actually play the game of football. And maybe that's what's going on for the Seminoles. So we're going to find out. They're going to travel to Syracuse. Uh, can they get themselves up for what appears to be somewhat of a meaningless football game for them? There's nothing really at stake uh, for the Seminoles. And, again, it's a position they're not very used to being in. But uh, this is a Syracuse team that's not uh, so hot right now. Syracuse is 4-6 and six on the season. Um, they've been a little bit of Jekyll and Hydeish too, as I talked about in the opening segment. They did beat Virginia Tech, um, and uh, they they did go on the road and win at Boston College. But against Clemson, they were missing. Lost 54 to nothing. Blown out last week by NC State, 35 to 20. Gave up 50 points to Notre Dame. So it's difficult to know which team's going to show up here uh, for the Syracuse. Orange men. What's important for Florida State is that they continue to get some consistent play out of DeAndre. Francois, and that the defense um, continues to improve. You know, since that loss to North Carolina, uh, Florida State's defense has kind of turned it around a little bit. It's certainly not exactly where they want to be, not where they've been in the past, but they held Miami to 19 points. They did their job against Wake Forest, holding them to six points. Uh, The game against Clemson, in which they gave up 37, I mean, that's Clemson. I mean, Clemson's got an outstanding offense, one of the top offenses in the country. You can kind of expect that game to get into the 30s. They did come back the next week against the talented NC State team at their place and hold them to 20. You know, like I said, when Boston College held them to seven points. I think if you're a Florida State fan, that's what you want to see. You want to see continued improvement um, on that side of the ball because that's the key to the whole future of this thing. There's some youth on that side of the ball, talented youth for Florida State. You want to see them end the season on a high note. The other problem, though, for this game this weekend is, yep, you're coming off of a blowout win. This is a road game against Syracuse, a team you could care less about, and it's right ahead of your annual rivalry with Florida. So you got to keep an eye out for uh, for, Florida State in this game and see just how much energy they're uh, devoting to this whole thing. Florida State is a 21-point favorite in this game. Uh, again, Emil and I are going to talk about uh, some of these games and more tomorrow uh, and give our predictions on it. But Florida State currently an unranked. When's the last time Florida State was unranked this deep into the season? It's been quite some time. Um, but that's what happens when you've got uh, three losses in your Florida State. You've got other people with three losses around here that are ranked. But when you're Florida State and you've been where they've been, I guess three losses knocks you right out of this thing. So that's pretty much it. With the Florida State game this week, not a whole lot to talk about there. It is Syracuse. It's on the road. It's ahead of the uh, big-time matchup with Florida. Florida State's got a winning streak against the Florida Gators. But, you know, the talk is always big. Florida themselves have a big game this week. So they can't be thinking about Florida State. They're 100% on LSU. Um, And so there are a couple of things that are going to make that matchup next week. Uh, In Tallahassee, very, very interesting. So, uh, again, uh, programming announcement. On with the uh, Football Friday show tomorrow. Be sure to join us here at uh, 10 a.m., gridironstudshow.com, uh, if you're looking for the place to listen to it. And uh, we will talk more college football, NFL football, and high school football tomorrow. But for now, I want to thank you for joining us. I thank our guest, uh, Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com. I want to thank Brian Abyss London for coming on and talking University of Miami football here with us 
here on the Gridiron Stud Show. I want to thank all of you for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show and making it a featured show on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you all for listening. Back tomorrow at 10 a.m. Don't miss the Football Friday Show. Enjoy the rest of your day. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.